0: Welcome to another episode of Off the Post Boston Sports. You've got me and Carter, and I think the easiest way to start this one off is with the word dumpster fire. Finally had to go there, Carter.
1: It's not been fantastic. There's glimpses of good football. There's been glimpses of hope. And those glimpses are just... A mudslide of horribleness and sadness. You know, I sat there yesterday watching
0: uh, the Bills Patriots. And uh, when we started driving down the field and there's 35, 40 seconds left, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, if if we still had Tom Brady, we'd be sitting here saying, yep, guaranteed field goal. But you know what? He's going to drop one in the corner of the end zone and we're going to win this football game. And it's just hard to swallow that. I thought for sure once we got within field goal range, I'm like, we're guaranteed a tie. Who knows what will happen after that. Um, everybody does want to put blame on cam because he did fumble the football. I rather put less blame on him and more praise on the defense of Buffalo for coming in like he did and punching the football out. I mean, no matter how secure you have the ball that we, we see it a hundred times, those, those are hard to hold on to.
1: Oh, it was a beautiful punch. And, and it was, it was it was one of those moments where you know I was I was wearing my glasses. I just took them off and put my my head, my palms, and my hands. But I mean, you're you're right to give credit to the defense there and that guy who they were talking about it at the end. He played D two ball. He was he was told in the combine that he wouldn't be picked high because he had short arms. Well, then you go and do that. And what's interesting about what we saw versus the Bills is without. You, know, you had no Julian Edelman even though with Julian Edelman you're not much better. you had no Stephon Gilmore and you still you kept it pretty close it was a rough first half and it's been a rough you know the fact that the Patriots haven't scored a touchdown in the first half in the last three games is, is beyond alarming for me but you know the fact that it was a close game was was nice, but it was bad for it's been bad something and else that the Patriots had no. You, they have no receivers that can get separation. You have no receivers that are a deep threat. And so from a defensive standpoint, when you're looking at uh, how to defend against the team that you know, they're not going to go deep, you know, they're only going to, you know, when they're throwing it, they're only going to run 10 yard slants, or it's just going to be an RPO with Cam Newton. So you stack the line and you don't send any corners deep and it's really easy yeah, to
0: stack on the box. Another mind boggling stat is ever since Cam Newton got COVID, he has zero TDs. Five interceptions, three fumbles, one of them has been lost, which was the one the other day yesterday. I, I know COVID, you can't you can't blame COVID for the way he's played over three games, but the little sparks of really good football that you're speaking of that we see, we saw two games of great football. One was a win, one was a loss. But since then it's it's mind boggling to see that we we have no no, no power at all.
1: On, on that side of the ball. You have no power. You have no threats. You have no continuity. You have no rhythm. And I go into every, I've gone into every game with confidence that it can turn it around because you're right. We saw great football the first two games. And, all, you know, I think that COVID diagnosis and, and Stephon Gilmore's subsequent COVID diagnosis really ruined the Patriots' groove. Um, and the I think it, it caused, I don't know, you know, how Cam got COVID. I don't know how Stephon Gilmore got COVID, but you can imagine that it might cast a little bit of doubt in the locker room that, all right, maybe these guys aren't that responsible. And then all of a sudden you have a little discourse in the locker room and then your groove's completely out of whack. So it, you know, you had three, three, four games to get your mojo back, but it just hasn't gelled.
0: No. And then also I I've got to put blame on play calling at the same time. For example, the first drive we had, it becomes third and 12 and instead of even trying to run a screen or, or throw, throw a fade, just 40 yards down the sideline, we hand it off and run right up the middle and get stopped after gaining a couple yards. It's as if they gave up on that. And then we tie the game and then we do an onside kick and gave a team great field position to turn around and take the lead right back. It's like we're, we're, we're doing trick plays or doing onside kicks. Like, It just shows that to me, there's no confidence in the play calling ability of what Bill and McDaniels has on the field that they're having to find loopholes or different types of just one offs to try and pull a win out.
1: I mean, when your receiving core is Gunnar Olszewski, Jacoby Myers, uh, Demir Bird, Ryan Izzo, God knows who else, that Zuber, Isaiah Zuber. Who? I think all of those guys went undrafted, and it shows. You have no threat. You have no creativity. You have no separation. It's not doable, and even if you do have peak Cam Newton, who is he going to throw to? Who are they going to – you know, it's, it's it's dropping off their fingers when it's a low throw, and your best receiver right now is honestly James White, and that's, that's an issue.
0: And one thing that we've talked about for years, and I've been in straight denial about it 100%, is uh, people've always talked about Bill's bad drafting at wide receivers. Now, granted, you had Edelman who is a quarterback, that's a one-off. But uh Nikhil Harry, he's just had issues. Bad. bad. um I I'm starting to put blame on Bill. That we we we've heard it for years when Brady was with us. everybody would say Tom Brady's only a system quarterback, just a system quarterback. It's Bill's system. And I believed that for a while. I never took the greatness away from Tom Brady, but I'm like, Bill Belichick was a big reason for him. But now I'm like, wait a second. You look at Bill's record. What fifty one and sixty six without Tom Brady? That, that's that's not that's not confidence there for me.
1: The only reason I still give credit where credit is due for Bill Belichick is because he's made it work with receivers that are able to work with this. The issue is when you have four, five, six receivers that went undrafted and undrafted for a reason in a first-round pick that was a garbage first round pick in Nikhil Harry, who can't run faster than Gronk when he's got a bad knee, it's it's not a system that's able to even work with the Jets, the the, the Dolphins, the Raiders. It wouldn't work anywhere because you you have you have receivers that can't understand Bill's and McDaniel's quite frankly it's a complex system it's not a system that you can throw anybody into you have to at least be competent and these guys just aren't competent and i'm going to throw that down because it shows you you're 2 and 5 and you have you've 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 lost two maybe three winnable games and the broncos the chiefs that you threw away the, um see the Seahawks where you were just playing a really good game and the Seahawks probably underplayed the Patriots it's not doable so with Belichick's system I think it still works and people are saying well look at Tom Brady he's all successful well, look at he's got a random offensive look he's at got Chris squad he's got like Gronk. he's got Mike Evans he's got Ronald Jones he's got Leonard Fournette he's got an all-star team in Tampa Bay and now he's got Antonio Brown back and they're gonna say well look yeah. at Tom Brady's success Look at what he has around him. This is what Tom Brady has wanted, and this is why he left. Well, the success that I will give Brady,
0: Bill was able, while Brady was behind center, Bill was able to fill the offense with mediocre wide receivers that Brady could turn into better receivers. Now you have a quarterback that has mediocre receivers that can't do that. There's a big difference. To your point, his system does work, but unless the guy behind center... Is able to make these receivers adjust and improve on a weekly basis, that system is not going to work. And I, I just, I feel that we're stuck every game. You're seeing it now. First drive, usually three running plays, punt the football. And then they're hoping for a turnover. And yes, we do have a very good defense, but when they're on the field, 85% of the game, they're going to give up touchdowns. That, there's nothing else they can do.
1: They're tired. They're worn. They're tired. And you have some of your best defensive guys have opted out. You've got Hightower was out. Chung, who is a consistent defensive player, is out. Stephon Gilmore is not the, the defensive player of the year anymore. He's just not where he should be or where he was. And quite frankly, I don't think he wants to be here anymore. And I think if we get the right deal for him, I think we should ship him off somewhere because we need draft picks. We need high draft picks. And we need offensive weapons. And if we can get something in the in in that area that's a good price and for somebody who's willing to take Stefan Gilmore's contract, I think we ship him off.
0: Do you see that happening before the trade deadline tomorrow?
1: It could. You know, I, I'm not ruling anything out. Stefan Gilmore's put his house on the market in Foxborough. And he there was an open house yesterday, I think. Um and the Patriots are deep enough at the cornerback position. They have so many young guys that are quite that are that are holding it down and I think Stefan Gilmore is an attractive name that one team is is willing to pay the right price for if not a little bit over
0: one thing I did not know and I feel bad I didn't know this because I try to know everything about the New England Patriots do you realize that Edelman has actually opted out of his contract for next year
1: doesn't matter to me
0: say that it again sucks.
1: it sucks to hear it, but it doesn't matter to me
0: No, well, my what I'm thinking already is he's going to try and go to Tampa or something like that and not end his career in New England. So not only did you lose Brady last year, you would lose an older Edelman this year which or next year. That I don't want to use the word as irrelevant, but I feel it does have somewhat of an impact. And I hear people say, oh, well, tank for Trevor, tank for Trevor. Well, even if we lose out, we're going to beat the Jets. Uh, My my whole point, the the Jets are going to be the number one the number one draft pick, and they're going to take Trevor Lawrence. So there's no tanking for Trevor because we can't get in that number one spot no matter what we try to do.
1: And the thing hey. is, you know, we're guaranteed to play the Jets twice, so that's already another two wins, you know, if, if the Patriots don't royally screw it up, which is very possible at this point. But you, you're you're guaranteed, I think, at least three, maybe four wins, and you. So you're way out of contention for Trevor Lawrence. And even if we do get Trevor Lawrence, God knows he might not even be NFL ready his first season. Either. Very few are. So, you know, I, I I don't say tank for anybody. I say try to win. And I think the season is savable if you make the right moves during free agency, which I don't remember. In recent past, the Patriots making any huge moves at the trade deadline?
0: Well, I think we're going to have to make moves to set us, uh, ourselves up for draft picks. I don't think we're going to be able to bring in personnel that's going to make a big difference. I don't want to say the season's over by any means because I, I still think it's way too early. You still have COVID. Things can happen. But I went into yesterday almost as a must win. Of uh, Do we stay within one game of the Bills and hold the tiebreaker in the division? No, now we're three full games back and don't have a tiebreaker. That, yeah, that's the, a AFC, big...
1: the AFC East, I'll, I'll hand it to the Bills now. I, that doesn't bother me. I wasn't expecting much out of the season regardless, you know, until, you know, we, we signed Cam Newton. And there's a chance, you know, the second that, that, Nate, that, that was announced, all right, maybe we could win the AFC East if we play to our full potential. But, you know, you get no preseason. You get no training camp with Cam. And, and then, you know, Cam gets COVID. Uh, Stephon Gilmore gets COVID. The whole season gets thrown out of whack. I wasn't expecting much. I was expecting more than this, but I wasn't expecting much. And, you know, David Andrews breaks his thumb, and so you have Joe Tooney at center. And yep. he does fine. He doesn't do great. He does fine. It's, and the whole offensive line is shifted again, and, and that's a mess. And you tack that on to you have – the receiving core that we've talked about, we're going to hammer on for the rest of the season as it remains the same. And your be- if your best receiver is, is James White and a 30, however-year-old banged-up Julian Edelman, you have issues. You're well, not going heard- to win the AFC East with that.
0: No, and the problem is you have two extra teams that are going to make the wild card this year. But if you look through the standings, you have a 5-2 and two Baltimore who's not leading their division. There's a wild card. You have a five and two Indianapolis winning their division that or second their division or actually, I'm sorry, tied with Tennessee for that division. So there's another wild card. And then you have Las Vegas at four and three and Miami's at four and three. Like you're going to need a lot of teams to lose and pick up a huge winning streak to be able to make up that deficit and even slide in as that new second
1: wild card that they're going to have. It's going so to be I, interesting. And I always try not to expect much. I often try and expect the worst case scenario. Um, and I think with the talent disparity that's still in the NFL and and the disparity between the top teams and the bottom teams, I think, you know, obviously I think a playoff spot should be a given for the Patriots at this point. Um. Nothing's guaranteed. I think that you know the AFC East is out of question, and any sort of AFC Championship is out of question. I think they'll be making the playoffs. It might be an early exit, and it probably should be an early exit at this point. Um, and you almost, in fact, you could argue that you hope for an early exit in the playoffs so that everyone yes. can get healthy, you can get continuity, you can get off-season camaraderie, and you can start next season with a little bit more confidence and preparedness.
0: So right now, the team holding on to the last wild card spot, the last two teams. It's Cleveland at five and three and the Raiders at four and three. We are behind Miami, Denver, Cincinnati, and the Chargers. That's a huge, huge gap. Now, granted, we're only behind by two games. So that that, that does make the gap smaller. But you're behind a lot of football teams that you're going to need to start losing consistently.
1: And the thing is, I think a lot of these teams are going to start losing. You got Justin Herbert. With the Chargers, who's a rookie, he hasn't had deep postseason experience. He hasn't had crunch time experience in the pros. You have Baker Mayfield and the Browns who are prone to 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 blowing it a little bit. You got uh, Joe Burrow, who's phenomenal, but, you know, another rookie quarterback who hasn't had any NFL experience late when it matters. You got Drew Locke and the Broncos, who are surprising teams, for sure. They're, they surprised – They surprised us all that last minute touchdown the other day, and they surprised us against against the Patriots. But Drew Locke and the and the Denver Broncos are not, I think, a deep threat long term team uh, down the road. Getting towards Week 17, I think that's when they're going to start. That's when we're going to start seeing those inexperienced quarterbacks and those inexperienced teams start to drop a little bit, and that's when the Patriots need to take their opportunity.
0: Agreed. So I'm with you. That I think there's definitely an opportunity to be able to be able to flip this but i do believe that it's going to be flipped now. like there's no more like when we play no, there's no more
1: flipped. time to yeah, there's no more time for mistakes. it has to be now.
0: because if you look at our remaining schedule, of course our next game is monday night against the jets. that to me, we lose that game, you, you can absolutely count the season over. but then we go ravens, texans who are just as bad as us, and then cardinals. so right there you've got Two, two out of three big games. And as you move further down the schedule, to your point, you got the Chargers, beatable. you got the Rams, which you just don't know what team's going to show up. The Dolphins, questionable. Bills would be a must-win on Monday night in December. And then you end with the Jets. So if you can get through to where you can actually beat the Cardinals or the Ravens or both – to your point you have a chance of losing only one or two more games the rest of the season and ending with six maybe seven losses at the most
1: which is it's fine and considering the circumstances that's fine and also considering where we're losing it, you know where in the season we're losing it's fine it's it's not Great, obviously. It's in fact, it's pretty bad. But considering the circumstances, considering no preseason, considering no training camp for camp, considering a co- several COVID diagnoses, and your best center getting breaking his thumb, considering the fact that you have no wide receivers, that's not terrible. You're you're 100% right. I guess it feels like a dream, Carter.
0: Like it feels or a dream, more like a nightmare. It, it still hasn't soaked into me. That we're playing this bad of football. Like I woke it's up, bad. I woke up this morning and I'm like, ah, oh, we lost again. Wait a second, we lost again. I
1: can't remember the last time I've, I've actually started saying that. Like I'm 23 years old. I'm 23 years old. I can't remember losing this many games in a row. I was 12. I was 12 years old when Tom Brady took over, and I'm 32.
0: And I guess that's why it's hard for me to ever remember what it was like before that. And where I want to turn this conversation in, where I want to turn this conversation into, you look at Boston sports as a whole. Um, The Celtics, past few years have made it a good ways, haven't been able to finish. The Bruins made it all the way, haven't been able to finish. The Red Sox, bad. The Patriots, bad. You look at the city of Tampa now, you have a good football team, good hockey team, um, good baseball team. You look at L.A., you got the Dodgers, you've got the Lakers, you've possibly got the Rams, depending on which Rams show up. Is the city of champions and the dominance of Boston sports, are you starting to see that completely dwindle and just be irrelevant at this point? Or no. do you think this is a bump in the road and you can still see a couple championships coming out of New England here in the next few years?
1: The championship is definitely doable. I think we have to look towards – Uh, The Celtics for that, maybe still, maybe still the Bruins for that. Um, The Red Sox have been the last, you know, you look at the last 10 years of the Red Sox, they've been up and down. It's happened before. It's it's maybe not quite happened to this scale, but the Red Sox have gone to first to worst, to first, to worst, to first. You know, fortunately or unfortunately, multiple times, depending on how you look at it. The Celtics have made the Eastern Conference Finals for, uh, is it three out of the last four years? And just been, you know, they've missed that last piece, but they've gotten, to the Eastern Conference Finals multiple times in the last five years. Mm -hmm. The Patriots might be in the midst of a rebuild or are probably in the midst of a rebuild, but it's not out of the question, especially if you have three, maybe four more years with Belichick and, and hopefully some good draft picks and the Bruins are still the Bruins. They haven't lost their real core and you know, their core is getting older, but the young guys are starting to step up and, and you know Charlie McAvoy was ranked in the top ten of uh, in the defense uh, top ten defenseman of the league, so you got him for a long time. We did. I'm pretty sure we just resigned him if I remember correctly. So yes, it's not out of the question. I don't think you know. You look at look at Tampa for instance. I mean, that you mentioned you know the raise on a sal on a team salary of about twenty eight million dollars made to game six of the, of the World Series, and were screwed by a coaching decision based on metrics by taking blake snell out when he was pitching phenomenally and the tampa bay buccaneers are where they're at the lightning just won the stanley cup but the lightning have been owed a stanley cup i think the last two seasons they kind of got screwed by columbus last year um in a fluke uh, sweep but tampa bay has has suffered for a long time the sort of uh, around the same way that the new england area did for a long time with with the patriots back in in the 80s and the 90s you know and before 2001 they were bad the celtics have been a very good franchise for a very long time there was a brief period where they were you know bottom of the table for a long time but the red Sox, we all know we all know how how long they suffered it was about i don't know f- <sighs> I forget how many years between championships and the reverse and the curse and that mess. Almost a (laughs) hundred. Yeah. So but the revolution have won uh, two open cups. They've been to to three, I believe three MLS cup finals lost them all. Um, But it's, it's, I don't think, you know, I think a title in, in new England is, is, is definitely doable. Uh, It's just a case of not screwing it up for yourself
0: agreed i just it, it, it's weird i feel 2020 has not only bit everybody in the face but then it's really just taken an extra kick <laughs> to any boston fan oh it's it been tough to watching sports.
1: watching mookie and david price win a, a title with the dodgers and watching the watching the lakers win their 17th banner tying us Um, when you think you could have made – you could have and probably should have made it to the NBA Finals. And, you know, um, just imagine another Lakers-Celtics final with LeBron and everything. I thought we were going to get it. I really
0: thought we were going to get it, and we didn't. I was disappointed we didn't either because it just – icing on the cake for LA fans to be able to tie Boston for the most championships in the NBA NBA history.
1: It was tough, but um, I think – I think I think I was more glad that the Heat lost than the Lakers won, but that there's, that might just be me. Um, but in you know, in good in in lighter news, you know, the, the New England Revolution have clen- uh, clinched a playoff spot. They're sitting in sixth place in the Eastern Conference. Um, a four three thriller last night with Teal Bunbury scoring two goals, one at the absolute death and. It's uh, it's looking like pe- the pieces are starting to come back together for the revs. You got Carlos Hill, a designated player who's who's healthy again. You got Gustavo Bo, who's back and healthy. Adam Books has scoring goals. You got your three designated players who you're paying your most money are all scoring goals all at the right time. It's all coming together, and the revs, you know, when they're hot and when they're gelling, are a very dangerous team, especially under Bruce Arena. So. I am expecting at least an Eastern Conference Final for the Revs, if uh, if not a Finals appearance. When is their next game? There, I can tell you in a moment, sir. Uh, if you'll give me a moment, believe it is the eighth at three thirty against the Philadelphia Union, which going to be is always a great game with. You know, the two best goalkeepers in the league, in my opinion, Andre Blake with the uh, with the Union and Matt Turner with the Revs. It's, uh, it's a goalkeeper's battle, those games are. And uh, the the Union have some really, really talented guys, two national team guys, um, and Brendan Aronson and Alejandro Bedoya, to one national team vet with Bedoya and Aronson, who just signed a deal actually after the season to go play in Germany. Um. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good game, especially since everyone with the Revs is appearing to be uh, happy and healthy.
0: That's awesome to hear. I saw the post that you were throwing up there about the res back and forth. I'm like, man, this is high scoring. And every time I looked back, they tied it up. Then they took the lead and tied it up again Then took a lead. I was like, man, it's some good soccer
1: right now. Especially considering how they went. They, they went down two goals. They went down by two goals pretty early in the game, which – you know, if you're going to go down by a lot, going down by a lot early is preferable. Um, but it just showed that the team definitely does have heart, and, and Bruce Rita, and they believe Bruce Arena's system. It was just, it was mostly self-inflicted. Which, if you're going to lose by self-infliction, that's the best way to lose because those are fixable. It's not because you got beat; it's because you kicked yourself. Yes. Well,
0: it's good to see soccer is going well. I know most of this podcast is going to be mainly patch related. Um, Bruins have been silent, not really many moves by them at all. I'm excited uh, about Craig Smith, though. I'm excited by him. Yeah, no, and it didn't cost us a lot of money. No, um, I just thought there were some big names on the table that we didn't go after. Um, I don't know if we're trying to rely on young talent right now to get, get them on the ice and on the ice early, or what the thought process is on Sweeney's ass on Sweeney's thought.
1: The I I uh, like it. I think it shows. I think if you're one of the young guys on the Bruins, I think it shows confidence from your ownership that you guys are going to be able to develop the team and grow and be the face of the Bruins for a while. I think you're not. I think it tells them that they're not relying on these big names to come in and save the Bruins or be that last piece to win another Stanley Cup. It tells me that Don Sweeney and Cam Neely have have and Bruce and Bruce have have. Faith in these in this young core, and they're going to stick with them. I
0: like it. I just hope it pays off.
1: I hope it pays off too. I hope we didn't miss because we wanted to to be stubborn and stick with what we had.
0: In Sweeney, we trust not so much as in Bill. We trust Sweeney. Sweeney's done some questionable questionable stuff before that hasn't paid out. So I'm hoping that it's a flip of a switch for him. And the Bruins organization, because I think what the city of Boston needs is a a team, whether it's the Celtics, Red Sox or Bruins, when the next sports season starts, even though they keep shifting dates. So we don't know officially we need a team to come out and come out on fire and be something that's truly I want to use the word watchworthy. Like I'll always watch the team. But right now, I don't look forward to turning on the TV on Monday Night Football next week. I will because I'm diehard. I'm going to watch it. But, one, you blow the Jets out, doesn't really mean anything. I'm more interested now is I'm watching other teams. It's like, okay, well, let's see if the Bills lose on Sunday. So, I'll watch the Bills. And All right, we need the Dolphins to lose. So, it's having to watch other
1: teams now. And I haven't caught myself doing that for years. Yeah, I've turned off the Patriots game twice now. Um, because I couldn't watch it anymore, and that's the most I've ever done it. But what I do appreciate is we hear Cam Newton taking responsibility for his actions, and he realizes, you know, that he's hurting the team, and maybe it's not just him that's hurting the team, but he's speaking out, he's being a leader, he's doing things that we haven't seen him do in the past with Carolina or even Auburn. He's never been the guy to take the responsibility. He's been we've seen him you know, in Carolina and Auburn pout when things aren't going his way. He's always won his entire career. And now he's starting to take responsibility and we're seeing growth in a guy that wants to be back in this league and he wants to be on a winning team and he wants to do what's best for the team, not just for his own career.
0: But is taking responsibility enough for you? Or at some point do you have to see performance? Cause I could, I could say I'm bad every day and say it's my fault. It's my fault. But at some point, if it's not changing, I don't care how many times you accept responsibility.
1: It's not good enough. And, you know, unfortunately he plays in a league where they play once a week. It's hard to make a huge jump week to week. It's, it's ideal. It's what we want to see. And it's what we expect in the NFL. But, you know, when you have, when you play once a week, that's, it it takes it takes time to improve it takes time to get your rhythm back it takes time to get your confidence back and it's it's not it's not a league that's fair it's not fair that you only have one chance every week to to make a, this huge jump where maybe you need to take little jumps and you need the small victories and at the, you know, at this point, we have to expect the bare minimum. We have to expect that he's going to take responsibility. We have to expect that he wants to make those changes, and that he's showing us that he wants to make those changes, and that he understands that what he's, what you know, that fumble hurts the team. He he's sticking up for the guys like Tequila Harry when they fumble through the end zone. He's going, he's targeting guys like Jacoby Myers and Demir Bird when Tom Brady wouldn't even consider it. It's it's the little things like that that we have to take note of. And it is enough for me because I, I see that, you know, when he when he fumbled the ball, you saw his face. You saw the way he was walking yeah. off the field. You saw that he was, you know, he wants to win and he wants he realizes what he's done. And it's not that he's sitting there, he's not holding his collarbone and just standing there frowning when you know, maybe he did that against the 49ers when they put in Sidham. but you know, that's when's the last time Cam Newton got benched. He's not, he's not a loser. He, he wants to win, and he wants to win with this team, and it's not just he wants to win. He wants the team to win, and that's a big difference. I'm with you.
0: I, just, I, can't, I, I, struggle, taking, I struggle taking somebody admitting to their bad play over and over and over again as serious as I would somebody that accepts bad play and then turns it around. It's what Tom Brady wouldn't do. True. But how many times did he have to take responsibility? Not many. Is that fair to say?
1: Sure. But you know, at the same time, that ratio of, you know, he didn't, you know, he didn't make too many glaring mistakes, but when he did, that's what, that's your time to, to accept responsibility. If you don't do that, you know, if, if Cam has his, if Cam's made 10 mistakes and he accepts responsibility 10 out of 10 times, fantastic. If Tom Brady makes, makes three mistakes and only, accept, and only accepts responsibility once, I don't care. You need to accept responsibility when it's your, when it's your mistake, because otherwise your team's going to start to lose faith in you.
0: I respect that. I do respect that 100%. But losing faith in somebody, then also having lack of confidence on the field and in the locker room, they go hand in hand. And I, I hope Cam plays better. I hope things turn around. I think, to your point, they still can. But we can't – if we have a close game against Baltimore, we can't lose it. Like, if we have a close game against the Cardinals, we, if we have a close game against Miami, we can't let any of the games slip out from underneath us. We have to go in, execute and close them out and keep it moving.
1: And this is where we're going to see that's this awesome. is this is where we're going to see the character
0: of the Patriots right now. Absolutely. Do they lay down and just call it quits or do they actually do something? But I know we haven't done a podcast in a while, but after yesterday, it's like, yeah, you know what? We got to jump back on this cuz there's uh it's hard to want to do a podcast, guys, when there is so much negativity. Like We know everybody's feeling the same way and everybody wants to discuss it and hear about it. Um, it's just something me and Carter aren't used to. In the couple of years we've been doing this, <laughs> it's usually been, what a great night, Carter. Can you believe we just won our 13th game in a row? Back to, hey, there's L number four. There's L number five. But we've got we've got soccer to look forward to with the revolution, so that's great. And uh, we get to see if the Red uh, the Patriots can come out from underneath this hole. Do you have a final a final season prediction by chance?
1: I don't. I don't. I don't make season ready. predictions.
0: That's right. You said that. I tried to see if I could sneak one in there on you. Well, I that that's all I've got for this one because I don't know how much of this horse I can beat. Do you got anything to end on?
1: We're on a Cincinnati.
0: <laughs> and the Jets still suck. So, guys, tune in Monday night. See if the Pats can go ahead and turn the season around. It'd be a great way to, to start a winning streak against a bad football team. But I think if you want confidence going into the following week against Baltimore, you got to beat the Jets, and you got to beat them bad. But uh, we'll sign off. As always, it's good talking with you, Carter. It's all Boston, all sports, all the time. It's off the post. Have a good night, guys. See ya.